Hi everyone, welcome to the Magic the Gathering unofficial audiobooks. Phil Dawson here as we continue the journey in Planeswalker today. I myself will be walking to different planes, aka taking a little vacation with the family to celebrate Christmas and New Year's. I'll be in Niigata, Japan over the New Year with the family and we'll try to post some pics of the happening. So I invite you to follow along, Phil and Sendai on Twitter or Instagram. And with that being said, it will likely be a little bit before the next episode, but the good news is that after the new year, I have like 10 days until I have to go back to work, so I'll try to hunker down and get some reading done, a bunch of new chapters for you. So now would be a great time to support the Patreon page and support the show, the books, etc. We have three different tiers of support on Patreon, so check it out. Uh, If you just search my name, Phil Dawson, on Patreon, you'll be able to find it. Uh, Also still looking for that title sponsor, so if anyone has a good idea of who I could reach out to, maybe get this thing really cooking. Uh, But you could also support monthly through the Spotify page too, so either way is good for me. And of course, we're in the giving season. I'm giving you the chapters. You give me. Well, that's up to you. Get that checkbook out. What? Anyway, have a wonderful holiday, a great new year. I hope it's magical. Let's go. Chapter 7 Wake up! Words and jostling ended Zancha's sleep so thoroughly that for a heartbeat she neither knew where she was nor what she'd been dreaming. In short order, she recognized Rat and Streamside Grove where she'd fallen asleep, both awash in morning light. But the dreams remained lost. She hadn't intended to fall deeply asleep and was angry with herself for that error, surprised to find Rat clinging to her forearm. He retreated when she glowered. You had a nightmare. Images shook out of Zancha's memory, the damp world of the insect artifacts, her last beating at Phyrexian hands, Urza hurling fire and sorcery to rescue her. Those were moments of her life that Zancha would rather not dream about. Between them and anger, she was in a sour mood. You didn't take advantage? She demanded. Rat answered. I considered it, without hesitation. All night I considered it, but I'm a long way from anywhere and I've got a chain between my feet. And even though you may be stronger than me and have that thing that makes us fly, you're still a boy. You need someone to take care of you. Me? I need someone to take care of me? Of all the reasons she could think of to find herself in possession of a slave, that was the last she'd expected. What about your word? He shrugged. I've had a night to think about it. When I woke up, At first, I thought you were pretending to be asleep, waiting for me to run. But if I were going to run, walk, Rat rattled the chain, I'd have to make sure you couldn't catch me again. What are you going to do, strangle me, bash my head? Another shrug. I didn't get that far. You started having your nightmare. You looked like a bad one, so I I, I woke you. You you don't believe that Shrada nonsense about dreams in your soul. No. Zancha knew little about the Shrada's beliefs, except that they were violently intolerant of everyone else's. Besides, Urza had said she'd lost her soul in the vats. 
then why are you so cross-grained? I'm still here, and you're not dreaming a miserable dream. Zancha stretched herself upright. Azur's basket was where she'd left it, exactly as she'd left it, not a crumb unaccounted for. She separated another meal and tossed Rat a warning along with his bread. I don't need anyone taking care of me. Don't want it either. When we get to the cottage, your name becomes Mishra, and Urza's the one who needs your help. Rat grunted. Zancha expected something more, but it seemed that he discovered the virtues of silence and obedience, at least until she told him to sit beside her. There's no other way? he asked, turning pale. Can't we walk? Even with the chain, I'd rather walk. Zancha shook her head and Rat bolted for the bushes. After trying unsuccessfully to turn himself inside out and wasting his breakfast, Rat crawled back to her side. I'm ready now. I've never fallen from the sky, Rat. Never come close. You're safer than you'd be in a wagon or walking on your own two feet. Can't help it, Rat began, then froze completely as Zancha yawned and the sphere spread from her open mouth. He started for the bushes again, knowing that his gut was empty and that she'd be the one who'd be vomiting if she had to bite off the sphere before it was finished. Zancha grabbed the back of Rat's neck and held his head in her lap until the sphere was rising. The worst is over. Sit up. Don't think so much. There's always something to see. Watch the clouds, the ground. Ground was the wrong word. Cursing feebly, Rat clung to her for dear life. If he couldn't relax, it was going to be a painful journey for both of them. Zancha tried sympathy. Talk to me, Rat. Tell me why you're so afraid. Put your fears into words. But he couldn't be reassured, so Zancha tried a less gentle approach. Freeing one arm, she set the fear tumbling, then yelled louder than his moans. I said talk to me, Rat. You're giving in to fear, Rat. She thought of her feet touching the ground and the sphere plummeted. She thought of playing among the clouds and the sphere rebounded at truly dizzying speed. You haven't begun to know fear. Now talk to me. Why are you afraid? Rat screamed. It's wrong. It's all wrong. I could feel the sky watching me, waiting, waiting for a chance to throw me down. He was sobbing, but his death grip loosened as soon as the words were out of his mouth. Zancha thumped Rat soundly between the shoulders. I won't let the sky have you. Doesn't matter. It knows I'm here. Knows I don't want to belong. It's waiting. She thumped him again. Rat's complaint was too much like her own in the early days when Urza would drag her between worlds. Urza had the planeswalker spark, the fathomless stuff between the multiverse's countless world planes bent to his will. Zancha had been and remained an unwelcome interloper. The instant the between worlds furled around her, she could hear the vast multiverse sucking its breath, preparing to spit her out. The planeswalker spark was something a mind either had or didn't have. Zancha didn't have it. Urza couldn't share his. The cyst was the only stopgap that he'd been able to devise. It didn't leave Zancha feeling any less like an interloper, but it did give promise that she'd be alive when the multiverse spat her out. She'd ask Urza to implant a cyst in Rat's belly, in Mishra's belly, but until then, there was nothing she could do except keep him talking. The sky above Effen Pincher wasn't nearly as hostile as the Between Worlds. There was a chance he'd talk himself out of his fears. She nudged him into another telling of his life story. The details differed from the second tale he told Azur's wagon, but the overall spirit hadn't changed. When he came to the part where he'd found religious denunciations written in blood on the walls of his family home, the intensity of his feelings forced Rat to sit straight and speak in a firm, steady voice. If the Shraddha are men of Avuhir, then I spit on Avuhir. Better to be damned than live in the Shraddha's fist. That was the sort of fatal, futile sentiment that Zancha understood, but she was less pleased to hear Rat declare, 
When your urza is done with me, I'll make my way to Pincher City and join the Red Stripes. They've got the right ideal. Kill the Shrada. There's no other way. They'd sooner die than admit they're wrong. So let them die. There are Phyrexians among the Red Stripes, Sancho warned. They're a much worse enemy than any Shrada. They're not my enemy, not if they're fighting the Shrada. Mishra may have thought the same thing, but it's not so simple. Flesh cannot trust them, because Phyrexian will never see Flesh as anything but a mistake to be erased. Rat watched her quietly. Flesh, we're flesh, you and I, Zancha pinched the skin on her arm. But Phyrexians aren't. They're artifacts. Like Urza's during the Brothers' War. Only... Phyrexians aren't artifacts. Their flesh has been replaced with other things, mostly metal according to the Ineffable's plan. Their blood's been replaced with glistening oil, so it should be. Blood cannot trust Phyrexians because blood is a mistake. His eyes narrowed. They studied a place far beyond Zancha's shoulder. Urza talked about thinking, but rarely did it. Urza either solved his problems instantly without thinking, or he sank in the mire of obsession. Rat was changing his mind while he thought. Zancha found the process unnerving to watch. She spoke quickly to conceal her own discomfort. Flesh, blood, meat, what, what does it matter? Phyrexia is your enemy, Rat. The Brothers' War was just the beginning of what Phyrexia will do to all of Dominaria if it can. There are Phyrexians in the Red Stripes, and you'd be wiser, far wiser, to join the Shrada in a fight against them. It's just... Rat was thinking even as he talked. His mind changed again, and he met Zancha's eyes with an almost physical force. You said you smelled Phyrexians among the Red Stripes. M my nose is as good as my eyes, and I, I didn't smell anything at all. You said flesh cannot trust them, but everybody was flesh, even Tuktan Garv. On, on top of it all, your talk about me pretending to be Mishra for someone you call Urza, some, something's not true here. Do you think I'm lying? Sancho was genuinely curious. Whatever you smelled back in Medrin... It scared you because it was Phyrexian, not because it was Red Stripe. So I guess you're telling the truth, just not all of it. Maybe we're both flesh, Zancha, but Avi here's truth. You're not my sort of flesh. I bleed, Zancha asserted, and to prove the point, drew a knife from her boot and slashed a fingertip. It was a deep cut, deeper than she intended. Bright blood flowed in a steady stream from finger to palm, from palm over wrist where it began to stain her sleeve. Rat grimaced. That wasn't necessary, he said pointedly, looking beyond the sphere. The first time he'd done that. Eventually a person would face his fears, provided the alternatives were worse. You know where to cut yourself. Zancha held the knife hilt where Rat would see it. He turned further away. You were thinking murder not long ago, she reminded him. Bashing me so you could escape? Rat shook his head. Not even close. When my family left Pincher City... My father learned to slaughter and butcher meat each fall, but I never could. I, I always ran away, even last year. He shrank a little, as if he'd lost a bit of himself by the admission. Zancha returned the knife to her boot. You believe me? She asked before sticking her bloody finger in her mouth. I can't believe you even if you're telling the truth. Urza the Artificer? Mishra smelling Phyrexians? This, this thing? He flung his hand to the side, struck the sphere, and recoiled. You're too strange. You look like a boy, but you talk... You don't talk like anyone I've ever heard before, Zancha. It's not that you sound foreign, but you're not effing. You say you're not an artifact and not Phyrexian. I, I don't know what to believe. Whose side are you on? Urza's side. Against Phyrexia. Her finger hadn't stopped bleeding. She put it back in her mouth. 
Urza's no hero, not not to me. Whatever he did 3,400 years ago, his gods should still be punishing him for that. You throw a lot of choices in front of me, all of them bad, one way or another. I, I don't know what to think. You think too much. Yeah, I hear that all the time. Rat's voice trailed off. Whoever had chided him last had probably been killed by the Shrada. All the time had become history for him. History and grief. Zancha left him alone. Her finger was pale and wrinkled. At least it had stopped bleeding. There'd been soaring west in a grasp of gentle drifting wind. Clouds were forming to the north. So far the clouds were scattered, fluffy and white. But north of Effenpincher was the endless sea where huge storms were common and sudden. Zancha used her hands to put the sphere on a southwesterly course and set it rising in search of stronger winds. Belatedly, she realized she had Rat's undivided attention. How do you do that? he asked. Magic? Are you a sorcerer? Would that explain everything? No. No? No, I don't know how I do it. I don't know how I walk either, or how the food I eat keeps me alive, but it does. One day, Urza handed me something. He said it was a cyst, and he said, swallow it. Since it came from Urza, it was probably an artifact. I don't know for sure because I never asked. I know how to use it. I don't need to know more, and neither will you. Sorry I asked. I'm just trying to think my way through this. You think too much. She hadn't meant to repeat the comment that he jabbed his memory, but before she could berate herself, Rat shot back, I'm supposed to be Mishra, aren't I? He changed his mind again. It was possible that a man, a true flesh-and-blood man, not like Urza, couldn't think too much. The sphere found the stronger winds and slewed sideways. Zancha needed full concentration to stop the tumbling. Rat curled up against her with his head between his knees. To the north, clouds billowed as she watched. It was unlikely that they could outrun the brewing storm, but they could cover a lot of territory before she had to get them to shelter. There would, however, be a price. It's going to get fast and a little bumpy while we run the windstream. You ready? Taking Rat's groan for ascent, Zancha angled her hand west of southwest, and the sphere leapt as if it had been shot from a giant's bow. If she'd been alone, Zancha would have pressed both hands against the sphere's inner curve and let the wind roar past her face. She figured Rat wasn't ready for such exhilaration and kept her guiding hand sheltered in her lap. The northern horizon became a white mountain range whose highest peaks were beginning to spread and flatten against an invisible ceiling. Someone's going to get wild weather tonight, Zancha said to her unresponsive companion. Maybe not us, but someone's going to be begging Avahir's mercy. She guided the sphere higher. Beneath them, the ground resembled one of Urza's tabletops, though flatter and emptier, a few roads like rusty wire through spring-green fields, a palisaded village of about ten homesteads tucked into a stream bend. Sancha considered her promise to replace Rat's rags and implicitly to have his fetters removed. If she set the sphere down, the storm might keep them down until tomorrow. If she kept the sphere scudding, they'd cut half a day or more off the journey. And by the amount of smoke rising from the village, the inhabitants were burning their fields, hardly a good time for strangers to show up asking favors. Zancha swiveled her hand south of southwest, and the sphere bounced onto a new track. Wait! Rat shook Zancha's ankle. Wait! That village! Can't you see it? It's on fire! She looked again. Rat was right. Fields weren't burning. Roofs were. All the more reason to stay on the south-by-southwest course away from the trouble. Zancha! It's the Shrada! It's gotta be! Red Stripes come looking for bribes, but don't destroy the villages. We just can't leave! You, you can't! People are dying down there! I'm not a sorcerer, Rat. I'm not Urza. There's nothing I can do except get myself and you killed. We can't turn our backs. 
We're no better than the Shrada, no better than Phyrexians if we do that. Rad had a real knack for getting under Zancha's skin, a dangerous mixture of arrogance and charm, just like the real Mishra. Zancha was about to disillusion her companion with the revelation that she was Phyrexian when he heaved himself toward the burning village. The sphere wasn't Rat's to command. It held to Zancha's chosen course, as he must have known it would. Rat didn't seem the sword who'd sacrifice himself to prove a point, but he set the sphere tumbling. Everything was knees, elbows, food, and a sword before Zancha got them sorted out. Don't you ever do that again! Rat accepted the challenge. This time, Zancha split his upper lip and planted her knee in his groin before she steadied the sphere. We're going home to Urza. He's got the power to settle this. Too damn late. People are dying down there. Rat flung himself, but Zancha was ready this time, and the sphere scarcely bounced. I'll drop you if you don't settle yourself. Then drop me. You'll die. I'd rather be dead on the ground than alive up here. Rat grabbed the scabbard sword and, with his full weight behind the hilt, plunged it through the sphere. Zancha reeled from the impact. She hadn't known damage to her sphere meant sharp pain radiating from the cyst in her gut. She could have lived another 3,000 years without that particular bit of knowledge. She cocked her fist for a punch that would shatter Rat's jaw. Go ahead, he snarled defiantly. Tell your precious Urza that you killed his brother a second time. Zancha lowered her hand. Maybe she was wrong about his willingness to sacrifice himself. By then, they were drifting away from the village and nothing but Zancha's will put them on a course for the flames. The closer they got, the clearer it was that Rat had been right. The north wind brought screams of pain and terror. Born folk were dying. When they were still several hundred paces from the wooden palisade, a young woman ran through the broken gate, her hair and hems billowing behind her, a sword-wielding thug in pursuit. Woman and thug both stopped short when they saw two strangers hovering in midair. Waste not, want not, Zancha muttered. She thought collision, and now. The cyst in her stomach grew fiery spikes, but the sphere plunged like a stooping hawk. It collapsed the instant it touched the gate-mouthed thug, leaving Zancha to strike with sufficient force to knock him unconscious. She bounded to her feet and crushed the now defenseless man's skull with her boot heel, deliberately splatting Rat with gore. If he wanted death, she'd show him death. The village woman screamed and kept running. Zancha seized the sword from the tangle of bodies and spilled baskets. All right, she thrust the hilt toward Rat. When he didn't take it up, she poked him hard. This is what you wanted? Go ahead. Go in there. Save them. I I, I, I can't use a sword. I don't know how. I thought you thought. Zancha angled the sword, prepared to clout him with the hilt. You think too much. Rat got to his feet, stumbling over his chain. He stared at the iron links as if he hadn't seen them before. Whatever nonsense he'd been thinking, he hadn't remembered his fetters. I, I, I can't. You, you'll have to. She shook her head slowly. I told you I'm no damn sorcerer, no damn warrior. This is your idiot idea, your fight, so you choose them or me. It was the same ominous, otherworldly tone Zancha had used with Garv and Tukta. She cocked the sword a second time and Rat grabbed the hilt. He couldn't run, so he skipped and hopped toward the gate. Lose the scabbard! Zancha shouted after him, then muttered Phyrexian curses as Rat stumbled through the gate, brandishing a scabbard sword. Rat was a fool, and fools deserved whatever harm befell them. But Zancha's anger faded as soon as her nemesis was out of sight. She reached into her belt pouch and finger-sorted a few of the smallest, blackest coins. Then, with them clutched loosely in her hand, she yawned out Urza's armor and followed Rat into the besieged village. 
Not being a sorcerer wasn't quite the same as not having any sorcerous tricks in her arsenal, and not being a warrior was a statement of preference, not experience. There weren't many weapons Zancha didn't know how to use or evade. On other worlds, she'd routinely carried several of them, but not on Dominaria. She'd given her word. I know your temper, Urza had said after they arrived, but this is, this is home, my home. My traveling years are over. I'm never leaving Dominaria, and I don't want you starting brawls and drawing attention to yourself or me. Promise me you'll stay out of trouble. Promise me you'll walk away rather than start a fight. Waste not, want not. I did not start this, Urza. Truly, I did not. A gutted corpse lay one step within the gate, but it wasn't rats. Zancha leapt over it. A man bearing a bloody knife ran out of a burning cottage on her left. She slipped a coin into her throwing hand, then stayed her arm as a second, similarly armed man burst out of the cottage. Villagers or shrouded thugs? Was one chasing the other? Were they both fleeing or looking for more victims? Zancha couldn't tell by their clothes or manner. Few things were more frustrating or dangerous than barging into a brawl among strangers. After cursing Rat to the seventh sphere of Phyrexia, she entered the cottage the men had abandoned. The one-room dwelling was filled with smoke. Zancha called Rat's name and got no answer. Back in the village's single street, she headed for the largest building she could see and had taken about ten strides when an arrow struck her in the shoulder. Urza's armor was as good as granite when it came to arrows. The shaft splintered and the arrowhead slimmed harmlessly down her back. In one smooth movement, Zancha spun around and hurled a small black coin at the fleeing archer. The coin began to glow as soon as it left her hand. It was white hot by the time it struck the archer's neck. He was dead before he hit the ground with thick, greenish-black fumes rising from the fatal wound. A swordsman attacked Zancha next. He knocked her down with his first attack, but was unnerved when she sprang up, unbloodied. Zancha parried his next strike with her forearm as she closed in to kick him once in the stomach and a second time as he crumbled to the jaw. She paused to pick up the sword, then continued down the street, shouting Rat's name, attracting attention. Two more men appeared in front of her. They knew each other and the warrior's trade, giving each other room, exchanging gestures and cryptic commands as they approached. The strategy might have worked if Zancha had been unarmored or if the sword had been her only weapon. Her aim with the coins wasn't as good with her off-weapon hand. Only one struck its target, but that was enough. The other two exploded when they hit the ground, leaving goat-sized craters in the packed dirt. Her surviving enemy rushed forward, more intent on getting out of the village than fighting. Zancha swung, but he parried well and had momentum on his side. Zancha slammed backward into the nearest wall when he shoved her aside. Elsewhere in the village, someone blew three rapid notes on a horn, and a weapon quartet at the other end of the village dashed for the gate. For religious fanatics, the Shrada were better disciplined than most armies. Dark suspicion led Zancha to inhale deeply, but beyond the smoke and the blood, there was nothing Phyrexian in the air. A straggler ran past, and Zancha let him go. This was Rat's fight, not hers, and she didn't know yet if he'd survived. rat she used all three syllables of his name. Ratepe, son of Medea, get yourself out here! A face appeared in the darkened doorway of a barn that had been her destination. It belonged to an older man, armed with a pitchfork. He stepped unsteadily over the doorsill. No one here owns that name. There better be. He's meat if he ran. Two more villagers emerged from a barn, a woman clutching her bloody arm against her side and a stone-faced toddler who clung to her skirt. Who are you? the elder asked, giving the pitchfork a shake, reminding Zancha that she held a bare and bloody sword. Zancha, Rat and I were nearby. She threw the sword in the dirt beside the last man she killed. He saw the roofs burning. 
They still were. The survivors made no effort to extinguish the blazes. A village like this probably had one well and only a handful of buckets. The cottages were partly stone. They could be rebuilt after the fires burnt out. The elder shook his head. Plainly, he didn't believe that anyone had simply been nearby, but Zanja had laid down her weapon. He shouted an all's well that lured a few more survivors from their hiding places. Still no rat. Zancha turned, intending to investigate the other end of the village. The woman who'd fled, the one she'd seen descend in the sphere, was on the street behind her. Her reappearance, alive and unharmed, broke the villager's shock. Another woman let out a cry that could have been either joy or grief. The returning woman replied, Mother! But her eyes were locked on Zancha and her hands were knotted in ward signs against evil. Time to find Rat and get moving. Zancha walked quickly to the other end of the village where a whitewashed temple held the place of honor. The door was held open by a corpse. Given who was fighting an effing pincher, Zancha supposed she shouldn't have been surprised that the temple had become a charnel house. She counted ten men, each with his hands bound and throat slit, lying in a common bloody pool. There were more corpses, similarly bound, sprawled closer to the altar. But she spotted Rat staring at a wall before she'd counted them. We've got to leave. He didn't twitch. The scabbard was gone. The sword blade was dark and glistening in the temple's gloomy light. Rat had probably never held a sword before Zancha made him more afraid of her than death. Odds were he'd become a killer, if not a fighter in the past hour. A man could crack under that kind of strain. Zancha approached him cautiously. Rat? Ratipe? The wall was covered with bloody words. Zancha could read a score of dominarian languages, most of them long extinct, none of them effing. What does it say? Those who defile the Shraddha will be cleansed in their own blood. Blessed be Avalhir, in whose name this has been done. Zancha placed her hand over the sword-gripping hand. Without a word, Rat released the hilt. If there are gods, she said softly, then thugs like the Shraddha don't speak for them. She tried to guide Rat toward the door. He resisted quietly but completely. Mortals, men who were born and who grew old, saw death in ways no Phyrexian newt could imagine, in ways Urza had forgotten. Zancha had exhausted her meager store of platitudes. You knew the Shrata were here, Rat. You must have known what you'd find. No. I stopped at other villages before I got to Medrin. You weren't the first to tell me about the Shrata. This is their handiwork. It's not. Rat shrugged free. It's time to leave. Zancha grasped his arm again. Rat struck like a serpent but did no harm only because Zancha was a hair's breadth faster in jumping away. She recognized madness on his tear-streaked face. All right, tell me, talk to me. Why isn't this Shraddha handiwork? Him! Rat pointed at an isolated corpse slumped in the corner between the written-on wall and the wall behind the altar. The man had died because his gut had been slashed open. But he had other wounds, many other wounds, none of which had bled appreciably. Zancha, who fought and sometimes succumbed to her own blind rages, knew at once that this was the man, probably the only man, that Rat had killed. All right, what about him? Look at him! He's not Shrada. How do you know? Zancha asked, willing to believe him if he had a good answer. Look at his hands! She nudged him with her foot. The light was bad, but they seemed ordinary enough to her. What? I see nothing unordinary. The hands of God. The Shraddha are Avahir's avengers. They tattoo their hands with Shraddha verses from Avahir's holy book. Maybe he was a new recruit. Rat shook his head vigorously. It's more than his hands. He's clean-shaven. The Shraddha never cut their beards. Zancha ran through her memory. 
Since she'd arrived in Neffen Pincher, the only clean-shaven men she'd seen had been in Medrin, wearing red-striped tunics. And here were the men she'd fought, and the man Rat had killed were beardless. So it's not the Shrada after all? It's Red Stripes pretending to be Shrada? She asked. And knowing that the Phyrexians had invaded the Red Stripe cadres, Zancha asked another silent question. Had the Phyrexians created their own enemy to bring war and suffering to an obscure corner of Dominaria? If so, they'd learned considerable subtlety since Gix destined her to sleep on another world. Rat's head continued to shake. I've seen the Shrada cut through a family like ripe cheese. I saw them draw my uncle's guts through a hole in his gut. They said he'd spilled dog's blood on the book. I know the Shrada, Zancha, and this is what they do, except this man isn't and, and can't be Shrada. Keeping her voice calm, Zancha said, You said you were gone when the Shrada came through your village. You didn't see anything. It could have been the Red Stripes. Could have, Rat agreed easily. But I saw my uncle get killed, and I saw it before we left Pincher City, and it was the Shrada. By the book, by the true book, Zancha. Why would Red Stripes do this? No one but the Shrada support the Shrada. The, the people here at, at home, what was home, the Shrada would come, real Shrada, and they'd tell us what to do, which was mostly give them everything we had, and, and then some, and then would kill if they didn't get what they wanted, Rat shuddered. My family were strangers driven out of Pincher City, but everyone hated the Shrada as much as we did. We'd pray, we'd all pray, Zancha, to, to Avahir to send us red-striped warriors from the cities. The red-striped were our protectors. Be careful what you pray for, I guess. It sounds like the red-striped may have been doing the Shrada's dirty work and leaving behind no witnesses to reveal the truth. Rat had reached a similar conclusion. And if that's true, they're not finished with this place. They're waiting outside. They won't have gone away. Everyone here is dead. You and me too, unless we can kill them all. It's worse than that, Rat. Somebody's gone. Somebody's running a report back somewhere. To a Phyrexian sleeper, saying he'd seen a dark-haired youth hovering in his sphere. No, she'd killed the thug who'd seen him in the sphere, but she'd shaken off an arrow. Phyrexians might lack imagination, but they had excellent memories. Somebody might remember Gix's identical newts, especially since Dominaria was the world... Phyrexia coveted above all others, the world of her earliest dreams. Urza was right, as usual. She'd lost her temper, and the price could be very high. We've got to leave. Everyone will die. No deader than they'd be if we'd never set foot here. But their blood will be on our hands, on my hands. Since you don't seem to have a conscience, I'm not leaving. There's no point in staying. The Red Stripes will come back. We'll kill them. Then we can leave. I told you there's no point. They'll have sent a runner. This village is doomed. Rat paced noisily. All right, it's doomed. So after we kill the Red Stripes that are still outside the village, you take these people one by one to other villages where they can spread the truth and disappear. By the time the runner leads more Red Stripes here, this place will be empty. It can be done. You can't be serious. But Rat was, and Zancha had a conscience. It could be done. First came a long, violent night roaming the fields outside the village with her armor and a sharp knife followed by three days of burying the dead and another five of ferrying frightened survivors to places where they could spread the truth about the Shrada and the Red Stripes then disappear. But it was done, and on the morning of the tenth day, after leaving Rat's fetters draped across the defiled altar, they resumed their journey out of Pincher.